Welcome to the Field Log Podcast, daily reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I am your host, Hara Sakaria. Field Log, Day 12. Money is a tool. So yesterday we talked about the love of money and how it's the root of all kinds of evil. How Putting money, which is a tool, beyond its intended purpose and elevating it, if you will, putting it on a pedestal, how that's going to completely twist your purpose and everything that we're trying to do here. In the Warrior King ethos, the thing we're aiming for is fulfilling our purpose as men. And the way we do that is by orienting ourselves properly towards God and then acquiring skills and tools to help us achieve our purposes. Money is one of those tools. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, put this one on pause, go listen to that one first. There are a lot of cautionary words and a few techniques that I share towards the end to make sure that your attitude towards money never becomes something dangerous. But let's say you're at that point. You've understood the dangers. You don't love money. You live a life with regular doses of asceticism. And if you're orthodox, that's baked into the way we practice. And you're doing all of those things. Now you're at the point where maybe you're trying to convince someone else of how money is useful as a tool. Because there certainly is a cultural rejection of money in some instances, right? People always go to the extremes. And here it is again, me talking about balance, right? It's, it's becoming a cliche at this point. But we have, on the one hand, we have the culture of, oh, I'm going to put my nose down and I'm going to grind for three years and then come back in a Lamborghini. And I'm going to prove everybody wrong by becoming obscenely rich. That's not the point. You're completely missing the use of money and how money is supposed to serve you, not you serve it. But then you can also have the opposite extreme. People demonizing money, saying money is evil, not understanding that money is as good or as evil as the use to which you put it. For example, tithing, right? I talked about this yesterday. If you give 10% of your money to the church, that money is doing something good because you've used it to do something good. And this is true of any tool. You can use a knife to cook or you can use it to hurt people. You can use a hammer to build a house or you can use it, again, hurt people. But let there be no mistake that as a man who has not completely rejected earthly possessions, if you're living in the world, rejecting money is one of the biggest mistakes you can do. Not handling your finances properly is one of the biggest mistakes you can commit. Imagine for a second that you have a child. And this is not my example. This is something I read in a book once. And I wish I could remember the book. It was a book about real estate investing. But imagine for a second that a child is born to you. And very quickly, you begin to realize that your child is incredibly gifted. Your child is a musical savant, right? Has perfect pitch or can play back any melody on a piano. Or your child has an athletic gift or an intellectual gift. And you also know of an opportunity to help your child completely express that gift. If if your kid's a musician, 
there is an academy, right? A music academy that's very expensive, $40,000 a year. Or an athlete, you have to pay for uh, sessions with where scouts will look at your son play whatever sport he plays or your daughter play whatever sport she plays. All of these things cost money. If you work on yourself as a man, let's say you buy everything in the Warrior King ethos, you buy all of the seven commitments except for commitment number two about money and stewardship, and you've built your body to its genetic potential, you've honed your craft to where it needs to be, you've built your intellect, your relationships are where they need to be, you put adequate time into leisure, and of course, above all else, you have a strong connection with God and it's always growing, you're always growing on the spiritual path. You've done all of those things. Everyone in your community thinks, wow, he's a great man. He's selfless, he's, pa- he's patient, he's kind, he's strong. And then you have to look your child in the eyes and say, I'm sorry, I can't afford for you to go to this academy. I can't afford for you to get this new instrument. I can't afford for you to get new cleats. I can't afford for you to go to this special charter school that's or private school that's very expensive. I can't afford it because I rejected money. Imagine for a second, close your eyes and imagine looking your little mini-me, your, your son in the eyes, full of hope, and you say, we can't afford it. I know that feeling because I grew up that way. Because I didn't have a father, right? My father was a non-entity and my mother did the very best she could just to keep us alive and fed and clothed and everything. There's nothing she could have done. There should have been a man to pull through, right? This is the reason we live the Warrior King ethos. Because there are so many men out there shirking their responsibility that someone has to pick up the slack. So imagine that. Or take the opposite extreme, right? Same example still from the same book. Imagine that you have four or five children and they're all healthy and you can support them barely, but you're getting by, right? They're, they're well-fed, they're happy, they're clothed, they have a space to live, everything, they have friends. And then child number six is born with a severe developmental disability, right? Severe autism or Down syndrome. And you don't have the resources to support that child. Give it the care that it needs. Imagine that. Imagine watching your wife suffer because you chose to reject building wealth. Now, if that scares you the way it scares me, if that thought fills you with horror the way it does me, you understand perfectly the value of building wealth. Money is a tool. Use it as such. You're not going to be able to fulfill your purpose if you lack resources. And in the age that we live now, in the 21st century, you have everything required. If you're listening to this, you have everything required to build the wealth you need to achieve whatever it is that you need to achieve, that God placed the desire in your heart to achieve. So do that. Understand that rejecting money serves nobody. All the good you can do. Right? Mom needs surgery. Don't worry, I can cover it. Your brother needs a car. No problem. Here you go. That ability lets you take care of the people in your circle to a degree that's going to fill you with intense fulfillment. To be able 
to snap your fingers and solve not all problems, but many, many problems. Your wife is sick. She needs to see a specialist. I can afford it. I've been building my wealth my entire life. I can afford every treatment that might help her get better. I read a statistic once that 50% of Americans or more than 50% of Americans could not handle an unexpected $500 expense. You're driving, your check engine light turns on and, and your car stops working. You need a new radiator or something. $500. One out of two people you see on the streets, adults, could not actually afford that expense. Now you can't go to work because your car isn't working. You can't make money to replace the part that you need to replace. And then you have no income. So now you need to do what? Lean on the people around you for, you guessed it, money. You're going to lean on the people around you for the finances that you refuse to build. Don't be that man. Or better yet, don't be that boy. Be a man. Become self-sufficient to the best of your ability. Right? Always understanding that ultimately we rely on God for everything. But that being said, right, it's, it's both. Go listen back to the episodes on praying as if everything depends on God and working as if everything depends on you. If your prayer life is healthy and you're connecting with God the way you're supposed to, it is time for you to work. And part of that work is making money. So we do not demonize money. We understand it is a tool like any other tool. So if you have that attitude and you understand that money is going to help you take care of your children, give them anything they need to fulfill their purpose, their God-given purpose, right? Take care of your church. Take care of the possessions that have been placed in your care, your car, your clothes. All of those things, you can take care of them properly and then when you pass away, you can use the money that's left over for something wonderful. You could donate it to the church. You could donate it to a charity. You could divvy it up between your children. Help them live their dreams. Whatever it is, if used properly, money can do immense good in the world. So at this point, if you're convinced by the argument, you understand that money is a tool to be used for the purposes that you have. And you are not in danger of loving it anymore or less so, you're managing the danger, right? It's, there's always a danger. But you're managing the danger of loving it. You're living ascetically when appropriate. You're making sure that you understand that I don't need this money, but to not use it and to not work for it is, is crazy. If you're at that point, I have a couple of pieces of advice for you. The very first thing you need to do is you need to make a budget, right? Any tool that you wield is going to be more effective when it's taken care of properly. If you, say, have a gun, you're a soldier or a police officer, and you have a firearm, you need to clean that firearm and you need to do maintenance on it consistently. You need to make sure that it's in the state it needs to be. And the way you do that with money is through a budget. You need to understand how much do I have in savings, how much do I have in checkings, what's my net worth, and where is my money going every month you would be amazed how much money slips through the cracks because people don't actually pay attention when they're spending. Oh, I'm spending $500 a month eating out. Well, there's your $500 expense right there. Or even if, it, let's say it's $200 a month. 
For three months, you say, I'm not going to eat out for these 90 days. Now you have 600 bucks and you can cover that expense. The way I do my budgeting is I have very broad categories. I have bills, which is rent, water, electricity, those kinds of things. I have car expenses, which is car payments, gas, and insurance. I have food, which is groceries. And I have a miscellaneous category, which is like discretionary spending. So things like clothes or shoes or eating out, and that's about 500 to 1,000 a month for me. You have to find the numbers that are right for you. So as you're listening to this episode, pull out your notes app and make a note to make a budget today, either during morning journaling or if you don't have time, do it tonight. You can do it while watching TV, right? You can have the TV running in the background and you can set down a budget. Start with the things that you have to pay for. Every month, I'm spending X, Y, Z on groceries. I'm spending ABC on bills. I'm spending such and such amount of money on transportation, right? These are the main categories. You can even Google uh, good categories for budgeting. You might have some unique categories. For me, one of my categories is music spending, right? I spend a couple of hundred a month for music equipment or advertising or those kinds of things. Anything that I might need for the music that I made. It's a passion of mine. I've been able to set aside that kind of money. And then, of course, you set aside 10% for your tithing as well. Once you've done that, you need to find a way to track your spending. I like to do it manually. I have an app. It's called Good Budget, and they have Android and iOS versions of it. It's free. I think there is a paid version. It's one-time payment, and then you get more categories. But every time I make a purchase, I log it in Good Budget. The reason I like to do it manually is because it helps me keep my hands on. It allows me to constantly see I, it could be, you know, 14 days into the month and my discretionary spending is 500 a month and I'm down to 100. Why am I down 80% halfway through the month? So clearly there's something out of balance here. Either I need to increase that category because I just have to have more money to spend there or I need to decrease my spending, right? So set up your budget, find a way to track it. You can also use apps that connect to your bank account and your credit cards and your debit card and those kinds of things automatically, like Mint is a very famous one that you can install and link to all of your accounts and it will actually track for you and it will split your spending into certain categories for you if you prefer a more automated approach. But that's the first thing you have to do. You have to set a budget, you have to monitor it for at least one to two months and see, is there room for me to cut certain expenses? Be intelligent about the way I spend money. Is my discretionary spending, I don't know, 30% of my income. That might be too much. Or I have a friend who is spending close to $1,000 a month on his car. That's car payments, insurance, gas, those kinds of things. Close to $1,000. Accepted wisdom is that you should not spend more than 15% a month on transportation expenses. And I can can tell you he doesn't make $15,000 a month. So he made that purchase without actually considering his financial situation, setting him back very far. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Make sure that you're spending your money intelligently and deliberately. If it turns out you make your budget and it turns out the way you were spending organically is exactly the way you want to spend your money, it fits perfectly into your budget, good for you. That's rare. 
I'm going to venture a guess and say that 9 out of 10 guys listening to this right now are going to find that they're spending more money than they want to on categories that aren't actually that important to them. So get deliberate about your spending today. This is the homework for today. Make your budget. Make your budget. Once you've done that, once you've controlled your spending and made sure that it's appropriate, now it's time to make more. Right? The way you become wealthy is spend less, make more. Combine both. There are people in both camps. I like to combine them synergistically. A, because you're going to make the most money by spending less and making more at the same time. B, if you just focus on making less, you're leaving a lot of wealth on the table. You can cut your expenses by 90% and you still won't make as much money as if you would you know, double your income. And C, spending less, if you're in the make more camp, spending less allows you to have a healthy relationship with money, to make sure that you're living below your means and that money isn't becoming something that you desire for its own sake. If you can consciously keep yourself right? Ascetically, keep yourself from spending more than you really have to. That's going to go a long way in building your character to make sure that you don't love money, right? That's why we fast in the Orthodox Church. We fast, I want to say it's something like 270 days of the year. We're giving up certain food groups, meat, fish, wine, dairy, olive oil, depends on the day. Usually it's those five. And that helps you have a very healthy relationship with food because you understand that I'm going to have to give this up at least twice this week. Which means I don't attach so much joy and pleasure to just eating. Enjoy it in moderation, just like money, right? I have a leisure budget too that's beyond discretionary spending. You know, a couple hundred bucks a month to spend on things that I like to do. You know, and that's where eating out goes because you don't have to eat out. You should be cooking at home. It's much more affordable and healthier. Once you have that relationship with money, once you're spending less because you're budgeting and you're spending intentionally, you have to make more. And the very first step in that, that I always tell my guys is get a job that allows you to make more than you are right now. If you're not already in a career field that pays well, the best industry for that right now, in my opinion, is technology. It is not difficult to become a software developer. There are all kinds of coding boot camps that you can go to where for three months, you're going to do intense study. And by the time you graduate, they guarantee that you'll get hired or you don't pay. I have several friends. I have one friend who was in sales who pivoted to software development. That's what he does now using a boot camp. I have another friend who was in business. He was a business analyst, a very well-paying profession. He still chose to be a software developer because he saw more growth there. And now he's got two very marketable skills. And I have another friend who I went to university with who was an English major. For four years, he thought this, this is what he wanted to do. When he graduated, the only job he could get was Teach for America. One week with those kids, and he realized, this isn't for me. There's a certain kind of person who's made to be a teacher. He wasn't that kind of person. So he decided to do a coding boot camp, and now he's a software developer working for a great company. I have another friend, actually two friends, who are studying right now, self-directed study. I, I told them, it's like, you can do the bootcamp if you want, but you can also just tell, have me tell you which skills to build. And once you've built the software development skills necessary, you build a few things, you put together a portfolio, you don't need a degree. 
These companies, they don't hire because you went to a certain university. They hire because you can code. So that's my recommendation to you, but you don't have to do that. I have another friend who is an electrician's apprentice, right? He actually dropped out of college to work a manual trade. They're paying him something like $17 or $20 an hour to learn. And that pay is going to keep going up as he remains an apprentice. And then by year four, when he's graduated the apprenticeship, he'll be making like $70,000, $80,000 a year. That also works. But find a way to make more than $40,000 a year. If you're working as like a grocery clerk or something, you're not actually spending your time the most efficient way as you're trading it for money. And that's ultimately what employment is. Trade your time for money. So when you've got a budget and you're spending intelligently and you're working towards or have already worked towards a career that pays more, a job that pays more, once you've done that, then you can start to focus on investing, right? You can invest in stocks, you can invest in in mutual funds or ETFs. It's going to take a lot of research and I definitely intend on writing a Warrior King ebook on finances, but that's not currently on the radar, maybe in a few months, hopefully this year at some point. You can start worrying about investing. Do I want to invest in certain financial instruments? Do I want to get into real estate? Do I want to start some sort of side hustle or side business? Right? Find a way to decouple your spending from your chosen profession, even if you have a profession that pays well, like technology, like business, like medicine or something. Even if it pays well, don't limit yourself to just that. Find a way to invest your money and make it work for you because eventually you want to get to a point where you're no longer trading time for money because that's a limited way to make money. There are only so many hours in the day and you can only raise your pay so high. So those are the three steps of utilizing money to its fullest to make sure that your tool is well-maintained, is the best tool for the job, right? Money as a tool. Get your budget in order, get your spending in order, find a way to make more money, pivot careers if you have to, and once you've done that, learn about investing. There are lots and lots and lots of books that you can read on these topics. Do some research, show some initiative, and be the man you're supposed to be by stewarding your time and your finances properly. Don't let them languish. And if you do that, you're going to be able to take care of your wife, your children, your parents, your brothers, your church, your community. And you'll be able to do so gladly. When mom comes to you and says, I need to have uh, surgery or something, you won't say, man, I can afford it, but just barely. And then you get frustrated. And then you start to resent her. You don't want that. She's your mother, for God's sake. Be in the place where you can give money freely. And make sure to go to warriorking.cx and read The Seven Commitments, Commitment Number Two on Stewardship to understand just exactly why it's important for you to build that wealth. That's it for day 12 of the Field Log Podcast. As usual, you can follow the show or subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening. You can also leave us a review, which really helps the show get some exposure. You can find me on Instagram at XXLHara. You can give me a follow. You can shoot me a message. We can talk. You can also find Warrior King on Instagram at warriorking.cx. 
And you can find us on the web at warriorking.cx, just like the Instagram handle, for resources like the 2023 Goal Setting Guide, which is a document that I wrote to help you set and achieve the right goals this year, as well as the Warrior King Training Protocol, which is the weight training routine that I've designed over the last 10 years I've been training to get to a 330 bench, a 550 deadlift, 450 squat. All of these things are in the show notes. They're all free. If any of that is appealing to you, seek that out. And as always, conquer the day. Thank you.